Hello, listeners of Accents on WUKY. I am Katerina, the host, and with me is one of the most creative and inspiring people I know, Laverne Zabielski. Hi, Laverne, and welcome to Accents. Hey, Katerina. Great to be here. We've had a few interviews over the years, haven't we? Yes, we've done this before. Uh, I have asked you questions, and then you have asked me questions. Right. And we know each other pretty well by now, and I have read your work. And this book, Mariposa, the Opium Abatement Poems, it's different. I have to tell you, I loved it from the first moment I read it. You know, I started reading it, and I couldn't put it down until it finished. And then I immediately wrote down what I had to say about it. Mariposa, the Opium, Abatement Poems. This is a loaded title and also this is a loaded book. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's loaded all right. It's a pretty serious subject. I feel like um, if we don't heighten our awareness of it, it's only going to get worse. And so many people want to just ignore it, push it away think it's over there. Um, it's never going to happen to me. And um, it's happening <coughs> to everyone in one way or another now. People are being touched. This book has two main characters, and both of them undergo changes. Uh, let's talk about the mother character and then about the daughter character. Well, I wanted to write the book from the mother's point of view, which is my point of view. I wanted to write it with love in my heart and uh, with respect. And I didn't want to make the daughter wrong. And it was interesting that over the, it covers a four-year period. And over this four-year period, that's one of the things that she would constantly talk about is respect. And so I really began to think about Whatever we were dealing with, I had to deal with her. I wanted to deal with her in the same way I would deal with anyone else in my life. And I think ultimately by sharing the book, it's that's how we need to deal with um, everyone who is struggling with this disease and also us at a disadvantage. You know, it's like humanizing the situation. Now we think it's just an, it's an item. It's something, like I said, over there. We don't really look at people as being human beings and talk to them as to, you know, what they're dealing with from the level of where they're dealing with it. So that's was my emphasis. While she is in the book, the book is about me. It's about what I was experiencing. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting now, as a result of sharing it, you know, I kind of have people reaching out that kind of want to have a conversation. They want to talk. And um, Do they want to talk about themselves or about... Well, they want to talk about this problem that okay. they're dealing with in their life that they've never really had anybody to talk to about and and really get into it and say things that you can't say. Like one of the poems in there, I say, um, I said, you know, I, I had to say to this person who was a stranger that, um, that my daughter was an addict. And I had to say to him something that I would say I could never say to my friends. Because what happens <coughs> is then people automatically 
begin to judge her and then only see her from that point of view. It's kind of like when you're in a relationship and you have a fight with your husband or your partner and then you go home and you tell your friend all about it and they're like, oh my goodness. And then you go home and you make up, you work out the situation, but you never go tell your friends how you woke, you made up. And so, but they still will hold that judgment. It's the same way when we have people that are suffering from this disease. If, when we talk about it, you know, we're taking a risk then that they're going to judge this person. And um, that's not what we want when we're sharing. So I'm already finding that people are kind of reaching out and want to talk about it. Speak about the changes in the mother from the beginning to end. Well, in the beginning, you know, the, the first poems are about, you know, don't talk to me about heroin. That's not even part of my lexicon. Who would even think such a word? And... Um, uh, and then for sure, it's not something that would show up in my family. So there was a lot of resistance uh, to even thinking that this was possible. And there was a lot of thinking that, therefore, I could now figure out ways to solve this problem. And um, so I had to make some pretty quick decisions in that way. I, I could spend my whole life, a mother or family members, tracking down not only their loved ones, but researching agencies and programs and all these kind of things, we would have no life. So I had to make a decision. I wasn't going to do that. You know, I, 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 I know that there's help out there, but she's going to have to find it herself. I can't do that. And um, she told me several times, don't worry about it, Mom. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And, uh, and I heard it, but it really wasn't towards the end of this book that I really heard it when she said, you know, look, I'll, I'm going to figure this out. You know, I know what to do and I'll figure it out. And it was almost like I, I said, okay, thank you. And it kind of set me free. Then I'm like, I'm not, you know, I cannot be giving advice all the time and pulled back. And I wrote the book about that time I mean, I've been writing all along. I've been, you know, I, that's what I do. I'm, a, you know, being a writer and I write regularly and I write everything that's going on as I'm experiencing it. So I had plenty of material to pull from. But it wasn't until this past year that, you know, I had two thoughts. One, I can barely articulate. I don't even know if she's going to come through this alive, number one. And number two, if she doesn't, I don't want my friends coming up to me and saying, oh, Laverne, I didn't know. That I think we need to know and there's a certain, we need to see what, how we are at cause in this as a culture and a society. It's not just them. It's not just this, this bad choice they made somewhere down the road. We're all at cause here. So that's pretty much where I made the decision. Okay, I'm writing this book. I'm writing it from my perspective. This is my experience, and um, and then share it in whatever way. Is this also a political book? I suppose it's a political book. Yes, um, and it's that's one of the things I say in my notes to the readers that the two things I found out was that really no one has the answer. Um, every lots of people have answers, but no one has they all contradict each other, number one. Number two, it's all about money. You know, when I found out there are uh, 
rehab centers that cost $37,000 a month. And it's, you know, so here's where, you know, the politics come in, the lack of insurance, the lack of, there's so many politics involved. Universal health care would be nice. I mean, just even trying to go to the doctor is not easy. We can all say, well, just go. It's not easy. And, you know, for poor people and for homeless people, you know, there's transportation, there's getting there, there's getting in. It's pretty monstrous. You included an article in the book, Lexington's Opioid Commission Must Deal with Realities of Addiction. Well, what I'm most committed to right now is that we are focusing on, yes, we have to deal with the realities of addiction and we have to deal with the uh, addicts who are still using. And there is an adi- there appears to be an attitude that, that that's just some sort of cavalier thing they're still using, so then we don't really have help available for them. But there is a point where the addiction and what people are using is a, is, could also be called a medicine. They're in so much pain that going through the withdrawals, how can you resolve the situation? Uh, if you can't have resources and access to medical care, then you, quote, use again. I don't really even think I like using that, using the word using, because I notice when I listen to people, there's kind of a guttural using um, in the tone, even when they're trying to help. It's what else are you going to do? So... Um, Yes, it, it is a political issue, and and right now the position I'm kind of taking is with everyone, you know, you can't make a statement about, like, the problem without having a call, a solution to right follow it up. So one of the things is, you know, the people, we don't want to see homeless and addicts on the street. Therefore, we need a shelter where people can go to. You know, and we can't just say, and, and, but people do say it. They'll say it. I don't want them here. I don't care what happens. I just don't want them here. You know, and there are people that say that. And as a responsible, merciful culture, country, I wouldn't think that we would think of things like that. The tender concern of the mother is present at every stage in this book. Could you please read us several poems? Well, I'll read Figuring It Out because that seems to be, um, that's what we all say. We want to figure out our lives and she's wanting to figure hers out. When you came by today, you looked rough. A bad thing happened, you said, following me onto the patio. Did you know him? Did you call the police? Have you taken a shower? Do you want me to call the police? No, 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 you said. I need $200 for a week at the extended stay so I can shower and figure things out. Figure things out, that's what we're doing now. I need to get an apartment. You have no money. I can't give you money. I can take you to rehab. No. You were sitting across from me, thin, frail, tanned, tattooed. Rehab doesn't work for me, you said. You leave, gather your backpack and dog, pack up the stroller you had found for him, and walk off. Through the front door, I watch you, with your dog nestled in, 
pushing slowly in a drizzle, balancing a clear plastic umbrella. You push on, out of sight, around the corner. Priorities. Restless night. I woke up at four, got up at five, finished exercises at six, left the house at seven to go to my studio to get me through the day. She slept in the park till the rain came, then moved to the gazebo with a concrete floor. When our paths crossed at 710, I knew it was her, bent over picking something up. Every mother recognizes her child from afar. Were our paths meant to cross, I asked her as I rolled down the window. She looked up, smiled, walked over, slow, got in, aching, crammed in her backpack. I didn't sleep so good, she said. This has to stop, please. Let me take you to detox. I never felt this bad, she said. I didn't sleep so good. It's only going to get worse, I said, unless you make a change. Let me take you to detox. I'm hungry, she said. Can we get donuts first? What are the changes in the daughter? Well, there's a, you know, in the beginning of the situation, there, there was an independence, you know, and she was striking out and she could handle it. And, and she was. I mean, this book covers four years. Um, we live in a small house. She couldn't live with us. We'd had a place for a while that she had lived at, but um, couldn't stay there. So it was almost like she, and she treated me with respect. She, you know, she knew this wasn't going to work, and she, she had to find out. She had to seek out her own. It never occurred to me that there wouldn't be uh, places and friends and a way for her to find a place. I, I just figured somehow that would happen. But, you know, the addiction is what it is, and you learn to survive on the street, and she was bound and determined to do it. And she'd find work. There's ways. There's labor works and different odd jobs that you can pick up. And there wasn't a whole lot of change in a way other than that she was sure she was going to figure this out, which, you know, and that that she would do it and I didn't have to worry about her. And then within the last year, she would tell me frequently, um, you know, I'm, I'm close to going to rehab, but you know, rehabs are not easy to get into and they're all different and there's a lot, there's a lot of considerations. And once you've been through detox and you relapse and go back, it's, it's very hard. And for me, I don't feel like we have enough resources for people to communicate with in a way to help them get through it. So um, I think just as she became more and more aware of, you know, she was going to have to find a way that the healthy thing to do and the best thing that she assured she, me she was moving in that direction. When I finish the book, I still don't know what she's going to do, but I'm clear in the book that I needed to take care of myself and continue making my art. And we never lost respect for each other. I mean, she would call me and check in. And, you know, if she asked for money and I had 20 or $30 to give her, I would. If I didn't, I couldn't. Um, I didn't mind giving her money when she needed a little here and there. Has she read the book? 
no, you know, I've been writing for 30, 40 years, and my kids all tell me, hey, Mom, we never read your books. Is that liberating or? Yeah, I mean, I, I am, I, I am in, into writing about your personal experiences. I mean, I say this frequently. I'm a fan of Audrey and Rich, who told us back in the 70s and 80s how important it was for women to write. And I, I totally believe that. So all my writing comes from that. So they, you know, it, it's just not at the top of their list. I don't think that's totally unusual. And um, when she's ready to or wants to, she will. I don't feel like I haven't held it back from her. I just say, well, I've got this. You know, I've written about my experience, and, you know, you're in it. And she says, that's okay, Mom. When I write my book, you'll be in it. <laughs> and so, uh, not yet. She hasn't read it. Could you speak about the tension between the desire for sharing versus the desire for privacy? Um, I don't know that there's a desire for privacy. There is a desire to share, and there's a desire for non-judgment, to not be judged. So, um, And therefore, as a writer, as you know, then we, we risk that um, being judged by whatever we might say or share. And um, so really that's, um, I feel like I handle whatever situations I come across um, to the best of my ability. And so I really don't have a problem sharing them. I try to write about any other people in such a way um, th that I care about um, in the same way. And you know, I suppose only they could say whether or not I was successful in that area. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't really have a desire for privacy either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, but there it is. <laughs> well, I guess it's a good question. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, and I don't know, maybe as women, we're feeling a little stronger about that because um, so much has been unspoken and um, people don't really you know, realize, just as I write little poems about my mom here and there, you know, it's, it's like new information. People didn't ever think of it from that perspective. I would love to hear several more poems. <laughs> it's not like she hasn't tried. She's been homeless, living on the street for four years. She could be your daughter or sister, too. If you've been around Lexington, you probably saw her dance with syncopated ink at the Singletary Center or in Woodland Park. Now, sometimes she sleeps there. You may have, she may have served you at Alfalfa's. She made huge oatmeal cookies at everybody's health foods. She went to Henry Clay High School, played basketball, studied fiber art at UK. But life didn't turn out for her. It's not like she hasn't tried. She's probably an expert in chasing down agencies, making phone calls from borrowed phones, only to listen to answering machines say they will call you back. How do you call a homeless person back? Sometimes they have phones, sometimes they don't. I've called agencies. I leave messages. I don't get a return phone call either. And if it's a weekend, everything is closed. Once I heard a story about how people with disabilities and mental illnesses qualified for a room. 
She called the agency. They said she did not qualify. She and many others need housing first, a room to sleep in, not on the street or in somebody's shared tent, a place where they can focus and get on a path of getting off the street. You can't get your life together when you're sleeping in a culvert during a rainstorm. I don't want her to die on the street. Using gather around women. Tell me only what I want to hear, please. Do not speak to me of heroin. Do not tell me in a matter of fact tone she's using. Who would say such a thing to a mother? I have denied what's been alluded to. She even said it herself once. I'm a junkie. I laughed it off. Besides, this is our family. Using is not a concept, not even a possibility. And for sure, not for my daughter. Hunger, food, and toilet paper. She's hungry. Her rinse late. She's so thin. I'm working on it, she said. No details. She quit her job. Her car broke down. Her rent's late. I can't ask her to move out of the house we rented her. Not now. Winter's coming on. She's so thin, hardly eating. We have some work you could do, I said. Will you have any food when I come over? Chicken soup, leftover beans and rice. She and her dog showed up. Before she left, I filled containers with yogurt and homemade granola. A little maple syrup drizzled on top, she asked. I added an orange and chopped pecans. Do you have any extra dog food? She grabbed an empty roll of toilet paper. I'm almost out, she smiled. Take a new roll. I've got lots. Can you tell us more about the dog? <laughs> well, the dog was, um, she couldn't really care for the dog. Um, so she found a foster home for him. Uh, but periodically he would visit. Please describe the cover of the book. Well, the cover has a beautiful butterfly dipping into a, uh, looks like maybe it's a zinnia. Uh, there's something about the way it's dipping in. It's just almost like it's, um, to me, just really taking much of the nectar. And uh, mariposa is the word for butterfly in Spanish. And there are references that I make to my daughters as a butterfly, as mariposa, uh, because it's been an image that's traveled all along through her life. But I feel like the Photo also represents an element of the butterfly almost taking and taking, and the beautiful flower has very little nectar left. And in the interior of the book, there are a few photos of your fabric. The photos are photos of my artwork because um, I've always been a believer that um, writing and making art are a way to get you through. You have to have a place to put your mind. You have to have a place to put your body when you're, when you're struggling. So, um, and that's what I do. So um, that's one of the main messages I'm trying to communicate is not only 
that um, many of us are suffering, particularly I'm speaking to mothers, are suffering and um, to have something to create during that process is very meaningful in a way to make the time go by and make that gut, that feeling in the pit of your stomach and your gut that's there. And I often say that makes you feel like you want to vomit or throw up after you're making something. It's like massaging that place and it goes away. What was it like to put this book together and to read it from beginning to end and to edit it and then read it again and to prepare it for publication? What was it like to live in the energy of it? Well, you know, something shifts then, like the pain in the writing is in the first time you write it. And then every time you begin to craft it, it becomes more about the poem. To me, that's, that's where the power is. And in fact, one time I was reading another uh, poem. It was another situation, but it was very painful. And someone said, why would, you why would you keep reading that? You know, why wouldn't you just want to forget it? And it doesn't work. I, well, you don't. It doesn't work. It doesn't go away. And besides, it's good writing. Yeah. So the more I worked on the book, the more beautiful it became. And so, um, the more beautiful she became, the more beautiful I felt. That I just couldn't really stop working with it. And you know, I worked with writers in my various writing circles. And I worked with Kevin Nance on it a lot, and he has a really good eye. And so every time it just got tighter and tighter, and I loved it more and more. And the more I loved it, the more I wanted to share it. And the relationship between the mother and the daughter became more and more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Would you like to read a couple more points? Well, let me see if I can get through this one. <clears throat> Uh, my daughter's poppies. In my backyard, there is a shed I use for an art studio. Sometimes with a desire to get clean, she stays there. And then she's gone. As I reclaim my space, I write to her in my journal. My dear, I see what you have left me. The beauty and pain draping and dripping, stuffed in corners, Messages of your love and despair so conscientiously placed an installation, an altar. A sunflower card folded and tucked between slices of bamboo. An old tobacco stick carefully wrapped with silk, holding an art sign declaring my aspirations, secured with ties you must have found tucked away in the plastic box designated for art shows, which I never do anymore. Now the silk wrapped stick and sign become part of my studio art. The old walking stick from your brother's apartment where it leaned against the wall in the corner with a large feather and silk wrapped around. I retrieved it when he died. You have installed it, a relic, a monument. I say his name, I tell him, it's up to him now to hover in your haze, protecting you from all ill ways. This love letter you have left me has been well received. I am reading it carefully. At first, there was only pain. The way you lit that forbidden cigarette before you walked away, 
the last afternoon you were seeking my gift of salvation, which I could not give, drained as I am, as I was, with nothing left, everything from the past gone, all the cliches realized. Now, layer by layer, as I peel away and reinstall myself, I find your notes throughout, a Monet painting on a card. You wrote, Mommy and her daughter walking in a field of poppies. Are you proud of this book? Very. <laughs> I'm proud of it because I want people to understand the sit our situation. Thank you so much, Lovorn. Mm -hmm. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Katarina.